What's up everyone, Kevin Wagstaff with another episode of Spectora Spotlight. Today we have John Battaglia out of Canton, Georgia, and his name was given to me by another inspector um, that was on the podcast and said, hey, I learned a ton from this guy. He's a great mind in our industry. He's evolved over the years. He's big on mindset, approach, a lot of the things we don't get into as much and we don't hear from as much. So I, I was naturally fascinated, wanted to get him on, and he delivered. Um, I think a lot of what he speaks um, speaks to the importance of what IEB is doing in our industry, the way they're crafting um, technicians into business people in a way. Um, they're really teaching us as an industry how to mature and grow and uh, how to operate in this kind of new people intensive environment and industry that we're in. So hope you enjoy it. Again, let me know um, anyone you run into uh, in our industry or even outside our industry that can give us some insight and wisdom, someone we can learn something from, someone with a cool story. Definitely ping me, let me know, open to, to continuing, continuing these and keeping them going. And for all of you that listen and write in, let me know that you enjoy these thank you i appreciate it greatly it's what keeps it going um as just something that is for our industry that people can learn from um so hope you enjoy it and uh take care everybody talk to you soon well cool we'll 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 just get rolling and uh and i appreciate you taking the time to chat i was given your name by alan deshari so what's the relationship there like why why did he give me your name and be like you have to talk to this guy kevin (laughs) <laughs> oh well uh i am good friends with him why he thought he needed to talk to me i'm not quite sure but, <laughs> but uh but now we go back a little ways um we were actually in school and seminary studying uh to be ministers together about uh, 11 years ago 12 years ago now maybe oh, cool cool and so we we hung out and spent a lot of time together and i was from atlanta and he was from texas and we were both up in maryland for a year uh, studying together. So uh, that's how we got to know each other. And uh, we just kind of both had a, a love and affinity for the South. <laughs> and I guess some people consider Maryland the South, but when I was up there, it felt very North to me. <laughs> so Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, we were both kind of, uh, we just both had an affinity for the South and, and for all things Southern. And uh, we kind of hit it off and had a real good time that year together. We kind of kept up. And when he uh, started getting up and going in the inspection business. I'd already been doing it for a couple of years. And uh, so he reached out to me. And I just tried to give him any tips that I thought might be helpful as he kind of got his business up and going off the ground. So. Right on. And he had he had great things to say about you, obviously, off, off the record. He told me, hey, I learned a ton from John. Um, I think he's a great mind in our industry. I think you should talk to him. So for whatever that's worth, um, thinks very highly of how you think about the business and what you've been able to accomplish. So great to hear. And if you haven't listened to his episode, um, give it a listen. He's, he's fun to chat with as well. Oh yeah. I listen to every episode. So I've, I've listened to it and it was, it was great stuff. Um, a lot of good content and there were some good recommendations on books and all sorts of good stuff. So yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So let's dig into your story. Start, you, you know, you started in 2014, uh, with the goal of just being able to pay the bills, which I believe is a com- <laughs> it's a common goal, right? It's a common thing yeah. in our industry. So Take, take us back there and kind of where you were at, you know, mind space wise and, and what you were doing prior. Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, I actually grew up in North Atlanta and it's, it's the sticks when we moved there in the early eighties, but we were kind of about an hour, hour and a half North of Atlanta and it was out in the middle of nowhere, but we lived on a big farm and, um, and then over the years, more and more, my family gravitated toward the trades and got into construction. So I've got 
brothers who are master plumbers and GCs and um, do commercial utility work and all sorts of stuff. So uh, it's been a couple of decades that I've been around the trades now, and I've worked with them at various points in time. But in 2014, we just come out of a couple of years where I'd gone back to school um, and my wife had gone back to school at the same time. So we both, I quit my job and, and she had been kind of uh, uh, managing the home. We had four kids and we both decided to go back to school and sell our house and uh, kind of crazy, but we did that. And at the end of that, um, I was going to seminary and I thought there were some opportunities with uh, doing some ministry work and those kind of all came to like dead ends. Mm-hmm. And so there was just kind of this real like rock bottom place. I remember in, in early part of 2014 where it was like, man, like it just kind of spent all our savings on all this school and we sold our house and we don't have any assets. <laughs> we don't have any job. And it got to a point where I was like, man, I don't even know how I'm going to pay like the $35 water bill next month. Like that's, kind of, I remember, I remember feeling that way. I was just like, man, what in the world am I going to do? And I'd had a, a mentor as I was growing up, a guy who was, uh, just a real cool guy, and we both kind of enjoyed history and reading books and stuff, but he had been doing inspections since maybe the mid-90s, so in Atlanta, they were still a pretty new thing in the mid-90s, but he had kind of gotten in at that time and been doing it for quite a while at that point, point. and over the years, he had kept recommending, like, hey, you really should check this out. It might be a good fit for you doing home inspections, and I'd always kind of brushed him off, and nah, it's not really my thing, and <laughs> And I just remember waking up one morning, like the spring of 2014, not knowing how I'm going to pay my bills, but it just kind of popped in my head, home inspections, go for it. And then that day I just decided and jumped all in and never really looked back after that. <laughs> so, um, so, of course, I started getting the uh, training certifications and all that. And um, and then I remember it was probably a couple months later, um, maybe September of that year, I got my first inspection off of like my Google business listing, um, Mm -hmm. which was kind of random, but, and um, I'd been just to pay the bills, kind of working with my brothers. I'm just working as like a laborer, making like 10 or 12 bucks an hour and trying to still pay the bills and feed the kids. And I remember that first inspection, I got $425 Mm -hmm. and it it felt like I was like so rich after that one. (laughs) I was like, oh my goodness. Like, this is going to buy like so many groceries and pay so many bills. Like for this one inspection, like I was just so happy. And I was like, I can't believe they actually paid that much for an inspection. Like I was just freaking out. So at that point, like I was like, okay, I think this is a good decision. If I can just keep them coming in, I'm going to be all right. And then um, I remember another, just these like vivid snapshots from the, that first year. But I remember uh, later that year, maybe in the fall of 2014, I uh, had a meeting with one of the, home inspector uh, marketing gurus there's several of them still out there but um, I remember this guy one of the first questions he asked me was well what's what's the goal for your business what, what kind of goals have you set and I just said man if I could get to where I was doing five inspections a week I'd have more money that I never know what to do with like <laughs> he just started laughing at me he's like are you kidding me like he's like you can get that without even trying dude like you don't need me like come on like um so he just he thought I was probably just an idiot for thinking that but I remember that was like my big that was as big as my vision was at that point like um and looking back now like I can see the humor in it I'm like really like that was as big as my vision was but uh uh that just really sticks out to me and then um so that was that fall but started getting a few inspections and then um another key event that happened kind of early on was 
I was um, sitting at a brewery in our local town, and, and I ran into a guy who had a really big, good-sized real estate team. And I'd kind of known who he was for a while, but I just kind of struck up a conversation with him. And it wasn't me really trying to sell him anything, but it was more on values. And I didn't really ask for like, hey, will you give us me a try as a home inspector or anything? But then a couple of days later, he emailed me and said, hey, you know what? After our conversation, I think we have a lot of shared values. I really want you to do some inspections for us and see how it goes. And um, so that kind of made things take off because they started sending me like one or two inspections a week, every week, um, right off the bat. And um, so that was like a real key relationship that I built. And I didn't realize at the time, but he wasn't hiring me because of certifications or the fancy tools I had or anything like that. He was a seasoned agent who had a really good team. And he, the thing he cared about most was values. And um, so looking back, that really sticks out to me now. Wow. Just an everyday conversation, right? I'm guessing there was no motives. You were genuinely just chatting with him. Uh, did you just run yeah. into him? Did you say you just ran into him in town or it was like a coffee meeting or like what was the, how did it come? No, about? no. We were just hanging out at our brewery and he was there and I was there and I think he owns part of the brewery. <laughs> so, uh, the, wow. I mean, there was like an, there was probably a secret ulterior motive. I was thinking like, man, if this guy would like, let me do some inspections, like it really helped me get going. But I didn't like try to pitch him at all, right? I was like, hey, I just want to play it cool and, and just talk to him and get to know him. And um, and so that's what, we, that's what I did. But in the midst of that, like we started talking more about values of how to do business and our approach to stuff. And um, that's what really kind of won him over, it seemed like. And we have a great relationship to this day. And our team has grown as my team has grown. And I always tell him, I'm just trying to keep up with, with y'all, with your agents. Like you got, you got a lot of agents now. So, um, but yeah, that was a really memorable experience. Oh, and that alone, if you're a new inspector listening and really internalize taking the time to get to know someone because it doesn't, it's not the quick fix, you know, the quick, easy thing is to say, Hey, can you use me or can I be your backup? It takes a little more time, a little more patience, but look at what it's done for you, you know, like these relationships springboard businesses. So, yeah. Yeah. And they're great people. Like, and that's one thing I've learned more and more over the years, like the importance of aligned values. Um, there have been some really pretty big agents that we've pretty much just stopped doing work for because our values didn't align with theirs. And I knew that there was always going to be tension there. Like they might want us to do things one way and we want to do them a different way. And I was like, yeah, we don't really see things the same way this isn't going to be a good relationship long-term. So uh, that's one thing that we do now. Like we almost try to interview agents before we start working for them and get to know them. Right. And they might be interviewing us, but we're kind of also interviewing them. Right. And uh, we want to see if like do our values align because then we know it's going to be a good relationship long-term. Um, so yeah, I think that's really important. A lot of people maybe not don't think about that as much. I think, like maybe a lot of inspectors and like I was thinking at first, like it's like more about I've got good certifications, I got good tools and I can do this and this, but I don't know that like experienced agents care about those things that much. Um, they don't, they don't. So. I can tell you that I, I rewatched a Ben Gramico video from, you know, years ago. And then he said the same thing. He was like, I know our industry obsesses over these things, but agents are, they're different. They're different personalities, different backgrounds. They don't care. They want to like you. Yeah. They want to trust you. I like what you said there about shifting. I don't know if you, this is where you're going, 
but shifting that power dynamic almost. Cause I think inspectors typically, you know, our industry typically feels like we're, you know, waiting hand and foot for these agents, but just that mentality shift of when you meet with an agent saying like, I'm interviewing you to see if you're someone I would want to do business with. That's just fascinating to me to think about it differently. Yeah. Like, um, well, the reality is like if, if your values don't align, like, yeah, you might be able to get some inspections off them, but they're going to be either say, well, you're too picky or you're not picky enough or whatever. Like there's, there's all sorts of things like, oh, you killed this deal. And you're like, no, it's just a bad house. I didn't really kill your deal. Like, oh, there's all sorts of things that you come up, right? But when your values align, like with this one team leader I mentioned, like um, we've done, I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds of inspections over the years for his team. And we've never had a conflict or a complaint with from their team or their agents ever and i'm just like what are the odds of that like and (laughs) the only reason that could be the case is not because we're like not making mistakes we do but the only reason that could be the case is because we see things the same way like we we see um the importance of our team the importance of people like uh, how we should be doing business all that and we align up on those items and as a result of that i think it like it really makes for really good relationships so I would rather not try to land a big agent if those values don't align. Love it. Love it. It's sustainable. Um, I want to go back real quick for the, for the newer inspectors. We'll get to the multi-inspector stuff in a minute, but I want to flash back to that period between deciding you were going to be a home inspector and getting that first job, like what the nights and weekends looked like, what the minds, like what you, what were you doing and what were you thinking about in terms of growing this business? Cause that, that's the hardest times, especially like you said, when times are tougher and the money's not flowing in and you kind of got to piece things together. I think a lot of inspectors can resonate with that. That resonates with a lot of inspectors. And I want to hear a little more about how you navigate that and what you did to kind of help your case, to help your cause. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I was studying, doing any online coursework I could find um, to try to just get on, build that knowledge base, actually knew what I was doing (laughs) and could actually do the the service I was advertising I could do. (laughs) Um, I wanted to develop confidence there that when I got out on the job, I wouldn't just uh, (laughs) completely miss everything that's wrong with the house. Right. So, and that's, that's a common fear for your first couple of inspections. Um, But I was also going around just begging friends and family, like, please let me just come over and inspect your house for free. (laughs) Like (laughs) trying to get reps in uh, just doing as many houses as possible and seeing stuff and practice building reports. And uh, like a lot of inspectors, like the first time you go inspect your your family's house or your friend's house or whatever, and you try to write the report, like the whole process takes you like nine hours, 10 hours to do the whole thing. And you're like, man, this is a lot of work for one inspection. you actually realize uh, you become more efficient and you learn how to use your software and you get a good process going and it gets shorter and shorter but uh but yeah so it was a lot of that sort of thing and then the uh the mentor that i had he was real big on like building codes he was teaching building codes to municipal building departments and to builders and all sorts of stuff so he was pushing me like right from the beginning like hey go ahead and get code certified and all this stuff and um a lot of regions throughout the united states like private inspectors would never get code certifications, but it's kind of a thing here in Georgia, especially if you're doing like uh, inspections on new homes, like really new construction. So I was working on some of that as well, but, and then I was also building out a website, trying to get like ranked on uh, Google and things like that, trying to see like, all right, how can I generate some, some revenue coming in pretty quick. Um, And then probably also 
hitting the street, going to offices, trying to find someone who'd let me buy donuts or come to a meeting or something yeah. <laughs> to get in front of some agents. So doing that whole, uh, that whole gig as well. So yeah. it, it did, <clears throat> I'm guessing the financial piece, um, kind of fuels the fire, um, you know, to say like, Hey, food's got to get put on the table. That's definitely understandable. I, I think that's hard to replicate, but I think some inspectors need to, to instill that hunger or create that hunger in themselves if they want to succeed. Because I do think, you know, from my vantage point, we see a lot of inspectors come and go. And oh yeah, um, I think if you're not at the, you know, if you have savings, you almost have to treat it as if you don't, you know, and you have to think of it as this is a sprint in those first six months. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, um, I think that, yeah, for me, it was do or die, right? Like I had any choice. I had to make it succeed. I didn't, I didn't have time or money to go do something else really, <laughs> right. uh, without, going to, without going to the serious debt, I suppose. But, um, but yeah, I think with starting any business, like you have to go all in if you really want to succeed in the marketplace. Uh, any entrepreneur, like uh, the guys that are successful or guys or ladies, um, whoever's building a business, like they have that hunger and drive and they're like all in on it. And that means you're willing to do whatever it takes to get this up off the ground. And if you don't have that, if you're viewing it more as like, um, like traditionally in our industry, there's been a lot of people who it's kind of, they kind of retired from their first career and then they said, Oh, that'd be a fun thing to do while I'm retired. And then they started doing home inspections. Uh, if you're just trying to do a few a week, you could take that approach. But if you're, you're trying to feed uh, four kids, <laughs> that approach doesn't work in my right. opinion. Yeah, no, I like it. Thinking globally, thinking of how to actually scale this and make it sustainable. So, all right. So you, you know, you, you hit that first agent up, um, you kind of get in good with their office. I'm guessing another good year or two goes by of you just consistently, like, how did the, how did it go from that one office to more agents using you? Yeah. So, um, once that, one of the things I try to do is once that team really knew and liked me and were committed to using me for their inspections i tried to leverage that relationship so i just went to the team leader and was like hey would you write a recommendation for me just saying your experience has been working with me doing your inspections she's like oh yeah sure i'd be glad to so then i would try to like go to maybe like that brokerage where all the other agents that knew that agent were in and whenever they had an event i'd set up a table but i'd print up a thing that had that recommendation from that agent and put it front and center. <laughs> so I try to get build credibility like as quick as possible, right? Like this isn't just another new inspector that just popped up out of nowhere, even though I was, uh, but he's, a, he's trusted by this big team leader. Right. And, um, that was one thing I remember doing, but it was just a lot of like going to offices, trying to build relationships. I joined like a BNI networking group because I knew the agent in there was a pretty good agent and, uh, that helped generate some business. Um, any, anytime there was like a group of people meeting and I thought there might be an agent there, like I was trying to be there. Um, so that was kind of the first six months. I remember doing a lot of that. Was um, it similar conversations around values? Like did, was that kind of your brand and approach was like, Hey, just be a good guy and talk to people and see if you align on values and, or did you kind of have yeah. a different kind of shtick or angle that uh, kind of used? Yeah. I mean, I think as much as anything, it was trying to get them to talk about their business. So you ask them, oh, I see you're an agent, like, great, how long have you been doing real estate? And you just start to get the conversation going, right? And people will talk about themselves and their own businesses, right? Like nobody, most people don't have trouble doing that. 
And in the midst of that conversation, there would always come out like a pain point here or there. And then I would try and be like, all right, am I able to solve that pain point? It's, well, yeah, it's really busy right now and um, everyone's real busy. Oh, have you had trouble getting an inspector out during your due diligence period? Well, yeah, sometimes they're booked out like two weeks. Oh, great. Well, um, just let you know, right now I'm averaging usually like two or three days out. I'd be happy if your normal guy can't get to it. I'd be happy to be a backup, that sort of thing. Um, so just trying to address like where they're having a struggle or, or find that pain point with agents, I think is really key. And if, if you feel like you really can solve it for them and you're, you're being honest about that, just let them know like, hey, I know that's a real common issue. Here's, here's what I could maybe do if you ever need it. So I don't, I don't like being like a real hard sell, but I would definitely do like a little bit of sales in finding those points where I thought I could meet a need. So. I think that's worth echoing because I know, you know, I, I kind of live in, in different worlds than, than home inspectors, obviously, where it's, it becomes common sense where you're like, find the pain point and see if you can solve it. Whereas I think a lot of newer inspectors or even experienced ones just think, you should, I'm here and you should use me as in, as opposed to saying, Hey, is there anything I can actually do better or solve for you? And I think that we have to cement that every new inspector needs to be thinking that way. And it's not just show up and they use you because you're there. And I, I say, I say that so much on this podcast, but I think it, it needs repeating because I still hear inspectors not having a either unique value proposition, or they're not really trying to get to know people on a deeper level which to me tells me they just think it's business is just going to happen as opposed to saying, Hey, is there anything that could be done better? Like how long are you, you know, how long are you having to wait for your inspections? So love that. Right. Love that approach. Yeah. Yeah. And your certifications and tools don't really meet any of their felt needs. Right. So <laughs> like that's what we stand up and don't like we bring donuts to an office or something like typically inspectors like to say, Oh, we got these certifications. We got these tools. Like we can do these sorts of things, but the agents, I think a lot of times are just kind of like tuning out. So like, that's not meeting my need. My needs are, can I get an inspector out here in the next three days or not? Like that's a pain point. Um, is, is their report actually going to be understandable and easy to get through, which obviously you guys have helped the industry with that. Like, so those are pain, real pain points. And I think sometimes we're as inspectors because we get caught in the inspection industry bubble we begin to think about what really matters differently than what an agent would think. And um, so I think we got to just be attentive to that and saying, all right, what, what really are the true uh, issues that they struggle with and how can we help solve those, those problems? I, yeah. I, I'm willing to bet that they care more about the donuts maybe than the certification and tools that you have. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good possibility. <laughs> That's a good possibility. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> um, well, cool. So, um, maybe yeah. I need to get more agents on the podcast too to kind of hear their, you know, hear it from them. But I think you ha- you articulated that really well. Of like, you have to speak to the thing your audience cares about, and that's just common sense in business. Um, yeah. Yeah. So great. So, so, um, yeah. So anyway, moving on with the story here. Um, so during this season, like after I kind of got up to where I was at least doing my five inspections a week and then it kept growing. It was more than that eventually. But, uh, I would say like during this time, I was still trying to be like that mindset of like, Hey, I'm going to be the best inspectors ever lived. Like, uh, <laughs> and I think it's real common for like a lot of inspectors. And I'd say like, this is kind of like phase one of the becoming an inspector, um, journey. 
uh, it's like, hey, you get in and like six months in, you're like you're like, you're starting to think like, yeah, I think I'm better than pretty much everyone else in my market. And it's kind of ridiculous because you're only six months in, but you're like you you start to think that, and that's your goal is like I'm going to be the best inspector that ever walked the face of the earth. And then um, there's some good about that, right? Like it's it's kind of like the idealistic inspector phase where you're optimistic that that you're going to be able to provide the best product to your clients and you're going to work really hard and you're studying and you're getting good tools and all that stuff. So there's value in that. I'm not saying it's, it's uh, wrong necessarily, but I think most inspectors go through that phase in the first year or two, especially where they're uh, very, maybe overly optimistic about how good they are <laughs> as an inspector. <laughs> and, uh, but that's their goal. They want to be the best inspector that's ever lived. And uh, so I went through that phase certainly. And, um, so got all the sorts of certifications I could add to my email signature and all this sort of stuff. And, and that was great. And in 2017, I had, a, I had a guy call me up and asked if I would hire him. I never even thought about it before. Like my goal, remember, was five inspections a week. And I'm doing way more than that now. But I'm still hadn't thought beyond just myself in the business. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this guy called me up and I said, well, I hadn't really thought about it. But why don't you come over and ride on inspection or two with me and we'll, we'll figure it out. So he came on a couple of inspections, seemed like a nice guy. I said, all right, you're hired. <laughs> and uh, had no idea what I was doing hiring. Never hired anyone before in my life, but uh, Love you're hired. So, Love and I promptly made the classic mistake that a lot of inspection companies make of paying him way, way, way too much. Um, I think um, he was, if you calculate it out, he would have made like 120 grand his first year right out of the shoot. Um so paying them way, way too much. So I'm not really making any money on them. I didn't know that at the time. Like I didn't know my numbers, but, uh, and so, uh, he was there for a while with me. And then, um, in 2018, beginning of 2018, another guy called me up and said, Hey, will you hire me? I'm like, oh, well, I guess it's okay with the other guy. I'll do it with this guy. And still I had no idea what I was doing, hiring people. And in the meantime, my first guy quit because it wasn't really a good fit for him anyway, but I didn't know that. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so by this point though, I'm a couple years in and I'm moving into that second phase. That's I like to call it the owned owner. You think you own a business, but the business really owns you. And it's not really a business. It's a job still. And you're just so overwhelmed because you're doing everything and stuff's grown to the point now to where it's physically impossible to get it all done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the phase I, I felt like I went through at that point. Um, just, I started real estate school too. So I said, all right, what agents need? Well, they need CE classes to maintain their license. Okay, I'll meet that need. So I'm teaching CE classes. I'm doing all the marketing. I'm uh, doing all the admin, answering phone calls, booking inspections, doing all that. Um, I'm doing about 425 inspections a year probably. Um, My wife's working nights at the hospital, and I got four kids. I'm driving the ball practice and this, that, and everything, and I was just – it was just bad season. <laughs> I was just so overwhelmed with everything. <laughs> and um, when we try to do it all, like, I think we begin to resent other people. Like, it got to the point where, like, I just could not get to every text and phone call. And so, like, when a client would call, like, I'd resent them. Like, <laughs> they're wanting to use me as their inspector and give me business. And I was like, I'm just so emotionally drained and tired. Like, I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> And uh, that, that's how bad it got. So it's, it's kind of comical, but it's sad, too, um, that it got to that point before I, I, I started trying to fix things. Um, and so kind of in this, like, just phase of being, like, completely owned by the business and working 80 hours every week, seven days a week, all that, um, 
I was talking to somebody and just saying, man, I wish there was somebody out there who, who would help you with, with systems and, and models and really help you like figure out how to grow an inspection business. And they said, well, there's this guy named Greg Bryan who's thinking about doing something like that out in Texas. You need to look him up. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so you've had uh, some of the folks, I know Dirk's been on, uh, Dirk Van Reen has been on the podcast on one of the earlier episodes. But um, so Greg Bryan and Dirk started IEB, which is an organization that just helps companies grow, their inspection companies grow their businesses. And um, they were exactly what I needed. They they helped me realize, all right, here's what has to change in order to, to move past this uh, phase where you're doing everything and just so overwhelmed into like an actual business that's going to be profitable and give you time freedom. And um, so they really helped me a lot and I'm like hugely indebted to them uh, for that. Um, so in the midst of all that, then I started figuring out, okay, I need to actually hire someone else that's going to handle all the office stuff. Um, started hiring more inspectors, spent a lot of time over the past year and a half figuring out how to hire talent and not just hire people, but identifying people will be a good fit for our culture and they're going to have the talent and the skills we really want to build upon and all that. So, um, so yeah, today, um, I, I think I've kind of reached a milestone maybe in the last like year or so now to where I can go on vacation for a week or I think last year we went two weeks and the business runs itself and makes money and I don't have to do anything and um, I've got ways to go still to where I want to go now with my my vision has grown so I've got ways to get to reach that vision but um, it's just a far cry from what it was two years ago to where I just was so overwhelmed with everything and like I said um, Greg and Greg and Dirk helped me a lot with with a lot of that so oh that's a that's a beautiful story man that it to, from that low point, like you said, and so many people that are listening right now, I guarantee are in that space of being owned and the amount of hours put in and the chaos and the stress, you know, which leads to all kinds of health issues. And I know Greg's been, Greg's very open about that. And, you know, the turning point in his own life and business. Um, I, yeah, I, what IEB doing, IEB is doing, um, is transformational for our industry, huge fan of the way they run their conferences, courses, um, I think everybody needs to be in it. Um, what, what was it a conference you went to initially or coaching calls or like, how did that kind of open your eyes to like, Holy wow. Like, wow. Yeah. I've been looking at this wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember I talked, I think it was to Greg on the phone once or twice and then for trying to figure out, cause at first I thought like, Oh man, I don't know if I should spend the money on it. It looks like I'm going to have to fly out to Texas a couple of times a year. And <laughs> like, how is it really going to be worth it? You know, like yeah. we're always hesitant to spend money on stuff that we're unsure of. And, right. um, and, uh, <clears throat> I just realized like, Hey, something's got to happen here. Like I'm at the breaking point to where I can't hold it together anymore. Um, just, uh, just too much on my plate. <laughs> and I, I said, well, I think it's just, I just got to take the plunge and try it. So I flew out to, to Houston and uh, I think it was fall of 2018 for uh, one of their, a rapid growth training or something like that. And, um, uh, and I was just blown away. I was like, well, these people are on like a whole different level as far as their thinking. And none of it was rocket science, but it was just different mindset than where my mind was at. Um, and I started getting exposed to how differently they were thinking about business in general, but the inspection, uh, industry as well. I realized, 
yeah, this is exactly what I need. Like they're, this, they're going to be able to really help me. They're going to give me the tools to really move to that next level to where I might one day be able to own a business rather than it owning me. <laughs> and uh, so that was really influential. And I know we said we were going to talk about mindset at some point, and I've got a couple of key mindset changes that had to happen. And some of that came from IV, some came from books. And we can talk about that now a little bit later, whatever you want. But um, that was the first time, when, and it took a while. Like the first time I was like, all right, they're thinking very different than me. But it took a little while for it to sink in, right? Like, yeah. um, probably like six months to a year started sinking in. And now a year and a half or two years later, like I'm, I, I'm starting to like really get ingrained with those, this new mindset that's taking me in the right direction. I'm starting to see the results of it. So let's get into cool. it. Yeah, let's get into right. it. Cause I, I think, you know, the, their, their conferences were so refreshing when we first started getting involved and, and offering to help because it, it aligns so much with what we do and how we think of systems and growth. And we've learned a bunch from IEB. And so I'm curious of, yeah, where your mindset kind of started on certain things and kind of where it is today and how it's grown. Cause mindset is huge and I want everyone to really tune in and, and kind of think about these things as we're talking about them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like all of this is a process, like if you're just starting out, like you might already have some, like your mindset in one spot, but a lot of us have to go through a process of transformation, I believe. And, uh, some of us have to learn the hard way like me is where you get to where you're almost the breaking point physically, mentally, emotionally, all of the above before you're really ready for change. Right. I'm just kind of hard headed like that, but other people I think are more receptive, but yeah, I've got like four or five key things that just constantly are echoing in my head as I'm working on my business every week. Um, and uh, one of them is just like you have to aggr aggressively identify and disarm limiting beliefs. So um, what's a limiting belief? Like it's your way of thinking. You think it's, that's the only way things could be done, right? But in reality, there is another way. And it would open up like a whole new realm for you if you could just see the other side of it. And um, so like some examples of this for me early on, I, I think I mentioned this earlier before we got on the call, um, like first starting out and going to that hey, I'm the best inspector to ever walk the earth. My belief was any any multi-inspector firm just sucks, like they're doing crappy inspections. <laughs> There's no way you could have a, a multi-inspector firm and still produce good inspections. Right. And I was I was convinced of that, <laughs> like, and uh, nobody would could tell me otherwise. And uh, that was a, a ridiculous limiting belief. Like um, another one was uh, there were some other companies in my area that were offering ancillary services and so limiting belief was well they're just ripping clients off and charging them way too much money for all this stuff they probably don't really need well who was i to make the the determination of that right like right. um and so that brings me to my second thing is like ego is your enemy right like there's just so much ego early on like i got a few certifications under my belt and i let my ego take over and it just fed all these limiting beliefs like my way was the only way it's the best way even though I'm brand new in the industry. And so it's absurd thinking about it now, but sometimes we let ego creep in like that and it just takes over. Um, these other people have been in the business for maybe 15 years and had large successful companies, but here I am a new one man show and my way somehow is better than theirs. That's just ego straight up. <laughs> so you got to constantly be looking to see like, where's, where's ego creeping in? Like getting to the point where everything depended on me and the business was because I thought I was the only one that could do a good job on it, right? I'm the only one that can really do good inspections. 
I'm the only one who can really take care of the clients on the phone. I'm the only one who can really uh, talk with the realtors the right way and, and do the growth and marketing uh, and all that's ego. It's, it's, it's false. It's Let's pause true. on that one. Can, I want to pause on that one because it, I hear it every day, basically for, for five years, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, not, maybe not every single day, but like I hear it so often and how, how did you specifically confront changing that belief? Because I guarantee every inspector in the business has at one point thought, yeah, no one's going to do it like me. And they're right. Right. That's the yeah. first step is saying, yes, you are correct. Yeah. But just cause they're not doing it like you doesn't mean that there isn't another way that's just <laughs> as good or even better. Probably is better. <laughs> You're right. That's what I've come to realize. Like, um, yeah. So like, I think I realized like, I had to come to that point of like breaking, right? Like you come to a point where you rise like, Hey, if I, if I keep thinking this same way, I'm never going to grow. I'm going to stay the same size. I'm going to work myself to death. Like it just became like a crisis point for me where I had to confront it and own it and be like, you know what, how would I get here? And the, the answer to that question was, well, a lot of it was my own ego. And I had to come, I think I just had to come like kind of that breaking point where I really owned that. Mm-hmm. And um, once I came to that, then I began to say, all right, I need to start looking for areas in my life and in the business where I've let ego take over and thinking that I'm the only one or the best one that, that could ever do this. And um, the reality is now, like just a year or two later, um, I've got an inspector right now. He's only been with us for one year training from the ground up, and he's a better inspector than I am. He's not as experienced as I am. But I recognize like he's better with the clients. He's better with the agents. He gets better reviews than I do. Like wonderful. <laughs> and, and he's just one year in. So it showed me like, Hey, if that's the case, then how far off was I in thinking that I was the best at doing everything? Like, it's just ridiculous. Um, so now my goal is to hire talented people who could be 10 times better than me at what they're, they're doing in the business. Um, and I think like with this guy and some other people we have on our staff, I think that that's could be the case. Like in a couple of years, like they're going to show that they're infinitely better than I could ever have been in that role. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's just, you have to come to grips with like, Hey, at some point you just need to humble yourself and be like, you know what? <laughs> I've let you go take over. And, uh, I think that that'll really open up whole new realms for you. What a great lesson. And it takes, and it takes hearing this over and over for all of us to look in the mirror and ask the hard questions, you know, and, uh, that's kind of why IEB has so much value is because it constantly calls us on our bullshit. Right. I think inspectors, inspectors are notorious for, um, thinking one way and thinking that's the way. And so I, I love your journey through that and kind of saying, man, maybe it's not so bad if I have a couple people that are talented in different ways that do things better than me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so much better when you, you let go. Um, one of the other things, like the key mindset shifts, I think this one's from Richard Branson, but, uh, he said you can have control or growth, but you can't have both. And so (laughs) we want control, right? Especially if we're the the guy that kind of started the business, like we want control over every little thing, but you can't have that and still grow. So at some point you have to choose what you want. And um, that something just echoes in my head almost every day because I'm still in the process of moving probably from like a, um, my goal is to get to where I'm a a leader of leaders, right? There's leaders within my business who are leading divisions 
and my role is primarily just to help lead and encourage them. But that's where I think I'll achieve maximum time freedom and maximum profitability in my business, both. And uh, I'm not quite there yet. I'm probably still like a manager of managers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm, I'm managing other people, but I'm still like probably way too involved in helping them manage what they're managing. Um, and so this one particular about can't have control and growth. You have to choose between one or the other. Uh, that just keeps echoing my head like every day. Like, all right, dang it, John, like let go, like give up control. <laughs> let it go and so you can see the growth come. And uh, every time I do that, we grow. Like every time I let go of something, and um, sometimes like the first time I trust it with somebody else, like, it doesn't go so well. But that's okay. It's part of the growth process. Everything going perfectly is not like a metric of growth, <laughs> right? Like uh, there's going to be failures, and you learn from the failures, and you get better. And uh, So I just am really working hard on that one right now, and I think we're starting to see some results from it. That's amazing. And and keeping around people that think that way, I think just keeps reinforcing it because obviously um, that's something I go through. I, I own a business as well and I delegate things and I let go of certain things and they don't go well and I get a complaint and then I use it as an opportunity to teach and get better from and it hurts. You know, anytime we yeah. get a bad review or a complaint, it, you know, you guys, as well as I it hurts your heart, hurts your heart and you want to rage on someone and you want to yell and scream and be, you know, like you want to do all yeah. these things and then you kind of get centered and say, you know what, you're building up people. And if you're investing in people, that's the only way you can take a vacation someday or retire someday or sell your business someday. So exactly. oh, yeah, yeah. The past, past couple of team meetings we've had, I've just said like, Hey, I want to talk about bottlenecks in the business. I said, I think we have one big bottleneck that's holding us back. And I put a picture of myself up. I said, here it is. I am the bottleneck. And I recognize <laughs> that. I want you guys to start calling me on it. And I told my team, I said, you guys need to call me on it. When you see ways that I'm uh, trying to take back control or not giving up control and I'm bottlenecking stuff, you need to call me out on it. Like, cause we've got to get past that if we're really going to get to where we want to go. Um, so yeah, I, I think ho having, having your team even hold you accountable on that is a good thing. What a level up for you as a leader. You know what I mean? Just hearing that, I'm like, wow, like I can picture that team meeting and being like, man, this is a guy worth following. Like that's, that's pretty amazing. I, I, I props for that. That's a, that's a cool story. Yeah. Um, um, what else? Uh, so mindset. Um, another thing that I've just really been working on is um, we have a tendency to, to maybe we have a vision of something we want to ask how, but it's not how it's who. And if you want to get, where you're really going with your business and like my vision is so much bigger than it was before but to, to achieve that vision to realize it um i've got to constantly be asking who not how and because it's going to be through people and through uh an excellent team that we're going to get there it's not going to be by figuring out a new technique or a new tool to get there mm. that's not that's not going to take us there it's going to be our team that takes us there and um and also in giving up the control like we talked about um if it's who, then I can let them be responsible for it and help grow them in their leadership versus if I'm asking how, I'm still trying to think how I can do it with a tool or a technique or something like that. And it won't really get off my plate. So um, that's a big one I've been working on a lot. And then um, and the last one's just um, a bigger vision attracts better talent. So like the bigger your vision, the better the talent you'll attract. Um, so 
when I hired the first guy or the guy I hired himself kind of came to me and said, Hey, we hire me. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, I might've been able to keep him long-term if I'd had a bigger vision, but I didn't really have any vision. I mean, my vision was still like, Hey, we're doing better than five inspections a week. So we're doing pretty good. Like <laughs> that was about the extent of my vision. But as I've grown and I have a bigger vision now, um, other people that I'm recruiting can now find their own vision within that vision. And uh, they see like, hey, there's an opportunity here for me to really grow and um, go to the next level. And that's what attracts talent. And talent's what's going to help you to win the marketplace, hands down. If you try to do it yourself, you're going to lose. Um, it's talented teams that are going to take you to the next level every time. So um, that's one that we've really been working on the past six months is just every team meeting, just talking about vision, vision, vision. Here's our, here's our vision. And expand like every time we get together too. So uh, that's that's been a cool thing to work on with the team over the past several months. Man, that energizes people to do good work every day. Yeah, I mean, I want them to see like, hey, there's we're we're going fun, we're going places. Like this is not a stagnant company. Like we're not going to sit around and just be content with status quo. Like we've got we've got uh, this place we're going to. We can visualize it and as we get there, it's going to open up all sorts of opportunities for every member on the team. That's what I want them to feel every day when they're working. And so they're working towards something like so much bigger than themselves, but there's an incredible opportunity for them as we get there. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's cool to see like that starting to catch on. That's like, that's something I'm still trying to develop as a leader. Like, I don't think I'm like great at vision. I'm just starting <laughs> to figure out a little bit about it maybe, but uh, my for the next year, that's what I'm focusing on is just getting better at casting vision, um, creating a clear vision, uh, one that's more engaging for our team, and uh, that's kind of my big focus for the next year. We'll have to be each other's accountability partners because I'm in the same boat where it's something I'm growing within my own brain of like thinking about vision, articulating it, um, crafting it in a way that's understandable to people at different levels of the company. And, uh, we'll have to check in with each other at maybe at an IEB conference or something and just say like, Hey, how's your vision casting going? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but, the, but the cool thing is just thinking like how ridiculously small my vision was like five years ago and how like, and now my vision feels almost scary big. Yep. But I'm hoping in five years from now, I'll look back and I'll be like, Remember that vision you thought was scary big? Like, how ridiculously small was that? And like, right. That's what's cool, like, thinking about that five years from now. So um, that gets me pretty pumped up and wanting to just continue to grow and um, knocking down those limiting beliefs and um, just gets me excited about being in business. It's pretty awesome. I agree. And I want everyone to know that it. this is not a – because I just remember that feeling of seeing people or hearing people talking like this, that I, that felt ten, so many steps ahead of where I wanted to be or where I wanted Spectora to be. And I always felt insecure. I always felt like I was not in the club or I just didn't, I wasn't doing something that they were doing, but like I'm learning more and more that one, we're all making it up as we go kind of in, in a certain way. And two, it's a, it's a decision to expand the mind and the goals and then everything else follows. It's not, it's not that, Oh, John has access to this or that, or he, you know, like you just seemed like you made a decision, you got with a group of people that are all thinking bigger and then you started executing. And so I want everyone to know that this, all this stuff's accessible, right? Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's not like this is just unattainable. No, like, yeah, Blake, 
don't know if uh, I don't think if you had Blake Williams on uh, Super Inspector. I've been um, trying to get him on for like a year and a half. Okay. I can't, yeah, I can't he's track hard, this guy he's hard down. To get a hold of. <laughs> he's, he's, he's another guy in IEB that's just a great. Like every time I'm around him, I just learn so much, so much from. Him. Huge. But one thing I always hear. One thing I always hear him saying is, "What one man can do, another man can do. What one person can do, another person can do." He's like, we we put these people on a pedestal and we say like, "Oh man, they built this huge inspection. I could never do that." And he's like, "That's just bull crap." Like you. Know, what one person can do, another person can do. You just start on the journey, take one step at a time. Like you keep increasing your vision, knocking down your limiting beliefs. Like you'll get there. Like it, it just takes time and, and persistence. And uh, every time I hear him say that, I'm like, at first I didn't believe it. I was like, yeah, it's not really true. <laughs> 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 but uh, after a while, it started to sink in with me. I was like, you know what? I think there's there's a lot of like validity to that. I mean. If I think about where I was five years ago to now, like, I think like, like we, we always like, um, what's the quote? Like we always overestimate what we can do in like one year, but like vastly underestimate what we can do in five years. Like, yes. so we think like, oh man, it's been like three months. And I still haven't made that much progress. Well, I mean, you can change almost anything in five years. You can achieve almost anything in five years. If you really think about it, like if you work hard for five years on something what you can achieve is almost unlimited. Um, and so like, I just like to keep those sorts of things in my mind. Um, it's not cause I'm like a, uh, any different from anybody else. Like I was the, the ultimate technician, the technician of technicians, like the guy I learned from was like, you shouldn't even be doing inspections. So you're like fully code ICC code certified, <laughs> just ridiculous. Like, um, so that's like where I was coming from. And, uh, I mean, there's some good in wanting to do really good inspections, obviously, but, um, going from that ultimate technician mindset to like, Hey, I actually want to build a, a company that, uh, where I can invest in other people and help them thrive. Um, to me, like that's just been a fun journey. And for some guys out there that, um, maybe you're still on that, like you're still doing the solo gig and you're, it's, it's you and, and you answer on the phone, all that. If you can do that and achieve work-life balance and, uh, you're satisfied, then that's awesome. My problem was that I couldn't say no to agents. And so I couldn't ever achieve work-life balance with just me because I wasn't, ever, I didn't have the, the guts or whatever to, to say no to anybody. So I kept, I was getting a place where I was just so overwhelmed. It wasn't good for me or anyone else in my life at that point. And I would just say like, if you can achieve that as a, as a solo inspector and, um, you have that work-life balance, you're doing great inspections and you're happy and everyone else is happy, then, and that's all you want, then that's awesome. Uh, more power to you. There's nothing that says you have to grow a multi-inspector firm to, to in the, in this industry, obviously. Um, but for me, it was, it became like a do or die. And so I had to, I had to do it whether I wanted to or not, I felt like. So, uh, I love that point. And I, I want to challenge people to, to, to also think longer term because I, I, I think our industry is obviously in a phase of maturing, but like the percentage of multi-inspector firms still very small. Right. And I, I always yeah. think of succession plans when I think, when I hear the guys say, hey, I'm cruising along, doing my thing, making six figures. I'm happy. I have a great work-life balance. And I'm always thinking, man, what, like, what about retirement? What about selling the business someday? And it's hard to sell something that's not kind of a brand or like a, you know, a multi-inspector sophisticated operation. There's value in that. And I kind of want to help 
lead the charge to say like, guys, you got to get paid someday for all this work. And it's hard to sell a one, a one man shop book of agents, you know, do you agree? Or how do you, how do you view that? Yeah, You're probably not going to be able to do that. I mean, um, not saying that you can't find somebody that might not pay you something for that, that list of contacts or something, but But very little. Yeah, very little. And generally if the business can't run without you and still be profitable, then it's not really a business, like, right? It's not really a valuable asset at that point. Um, and obviously some people disagree with that, but mm-hmm. I think in talking with a lot of experienced uh, business owners, that, that's kind of the general consensus. Like if, if it, it becomes an asset when it runs as the systems and the people in place to run without you being involved in the daily operations. Um, and so that's, that's certainly my goal. And my vision now is, when I get the inspection coming to that point where I don't have to be involved in the daily operations, it frees me up to start another business. <laughs> like, right. that's, uh, so that's what I want to do. Like, I want to diversify and create multiple businesses. So, uh, so yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good point that you're, you're bringing up there, like thinking long-term and what's my end game. You always should be asking that. What's my end game. This is not just, I'm having a good year this year, but all right, what's my end game five, 10, 15 years from now. And, um, Am I going to be happy with that result on the path that I'm laying out right now? So. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's a very immature marketplace for the new guy coming in that may have money, may come from another walk of life and doesn't want to build up what you've built up. He may just want to buy it from you and operate it. And so that, I, we got to start thinking that way as a business. So guys aren't kind of being left to find the next thing after they retire and actually get paid for their work. So yeah, I mean, with all the business, that I've, I mean, all the time and, and sweat that I've put into this business, uh, I, I want it to become an asset, right? Like, I want to return on all that investment. And you say, well, you're making money every year. Yeah, it's great. But ultimately, like, I want to have an asset at the end of the day that is a business that, that's a marketable asset that I could sell to somebody else. And I feel like that would be the good return on all that, <laughs> on all the time Absolutely. and sweat and tears that I've poured into it. So. <laughs> I love it. It's the right way to think. You know, it looks out for the long term and your family. And I think that's these conversations got to happen more often in our industry. So I'm excited. I'm excited about it. And I thank you and, um, you know, for contributing to it and being a part of it. Well, uh, just real quick, I'll just say, uh, we love Spectora, man. Um, we'd gone through, I'd gone through two other software uh, companies before we switched to Spectora and, um, and, can I even tell you how much time we say I thought I had the last one dialed in where we were as efficient as we possibly could be, but that was a limiting belief. <laughs> <laughs> and then I tried Spectora and I realized, Oh, <laughs> and, uh, man, my guys love it. We get compliments from agents. We do, we do follow calls with every agent. That's the first time they use us. Right. So maybe their client finds us on Google and they drag the, the buyer's agent into the, the process with us. And not everyone's a referral from an agent. Right. So, we call every first-time agent the first time that their client does an inspection with us. And um, one of the most consistent pieces of feedback we get is we loved your inspection reports. They were so easy to read. They were so helpful. Like, we wish more inspectors were doing this. Um, so that's just props to you all, man. Uh, you've really served our, our industry very well with the, with the service and product that you're providing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that feedback. I always pass it along to our team. That's fuel for us to continue to, you know, to create something that saves you guys time. And you're obviously changing the industry from, from your end and, you know, IEB is doing things and it's just such a great 
confluence and it's the kind of energy I just love being around. So thank you for that. I think it's, we're going to keep trying to innovate for you guys and put you guys in a good light to where you're just hitting on all cylinders, you know, and you can keep dominating the world and and we'll keep doing our thing. Awesome. We look forward to that. (laughs) Right on. Um, Yeah. Anything else we missed or was there anything on your mind that we, we didn't get to um, in these last two minutes here? Um, let me think. Yeah. I mean, I just think that, I think that building a team of like-minded people who are focused on a, on a vision and a goal, uh, to me, that's just been so exciting and fulfilling. Um, mm-hmm. I still, I, a lot of guys get to the point where like they're tired of doing inspections and then that's when it really forces them to grow a team and, and get to a place where they can not be involved and do inspections every day. Um, I actually still like doing inspections. Um, so that part doesn't bother me. <laughs> I'm trying to stop doing them. I don't think it's best for my team if I'm doing them anymore. But, uh, but what's even more fun than doing inspections is, uh, investing in building a team with great people like that are just awesome to work with and who are contributing every day and come up with new ideas and we're collaborating. And, uh, to me, that's like, that's been even way more fun than, than doing inspections. So, uh, I'm really thankful for that. And I feel really blessed. Wow. That's powerful to me. Cause that's, yeah, we make, we work to make money, but like day in and day out, that's kind of what gets us out of bed. And like that feeling, like you said, collaboration, ideas, people growing, like, I, I know a lot of technicians don't think in these ways, but I think the more you, when you step back and look at it, you're like, man, those are the feel good emotions that like I want to have if we're going to spend all this time at work and doing business stuff. Right. Oh man. Well, Hey, um, you know, we're coming up on the hour. Thank you so much for making time for this. I know when I approached you, it was kind of like, well, you know, let, let's make sure we know what we're talking about. Um, you know, and you have so much to offer and I think this is going to be a great episode. So uh, thank you so much for kind of sharing that vision and your journey through this great story. Um, I feel closer to you. I know we hadn't interacted a ton, but um, makes me look forward to kind of the next in-person IEB conference where we can uh, hang out. Yeah, we'll definitely see you there, and I'll, I'll ask you about how you're doing with uh, casting that vision. Yeah, yeah, I love it. All right, John. Um, hey, thanks. Uh, keep, keep rocking, and we'll talk soon. Awesome, man. Take care. All right, take care. Bye-bye.